Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us over at Stevens Point in Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us today. We're excited about gathering in the name of Jesus and celebrating life. Uh, at Celebration Church, church about, for us is first and foremost about glorifying and honoring God. Secondly, about being a family of faith, being there for one another and encouraging one another. And thirdly, reaching outside just the walls of our church to other people and helping to encourage them and inviting them to be part of the kingdom of God. And we have so many incredible stories constantly being added uh, to our congregation throughout all our campuses of lives that have been dramatically changed. We have a story we want to share with you this morning from a couple over in our Appleton campus. I'm Jamie Peschel. And I'm Lexi Peschel. Uh, we were married in what year was it? 2005. That? Thank you, 2005. Uh, we ended up being separated for three years actually, and I ended up coming to Celebration Church last year in June, which was just a life-changing experience. Uh, God definitely brought me here. He had swept me off my feet, and I started coming kind of anxious, kind of apprehensive, not sure what to expect, or even, you know, if I would come back, because it was two hours away, and I worked third shift. I also worked third shift on weekends. So I would come right after my third shift, come for church, I would get totally inspired. I would feel totally connected, even though I didn't know everyone in the church yet, and I was still just dipping my feet. And I had talked to someone when I was on my way out at the information desk saying, you know, they're just curious about me. And I said, well, I'm divorced at this present time, at least separated, you know, our paperwork hasn't been filed yet, but I'm coming to church because this is where my call is now. He said, well, you know, it's just a change of heart sometimes. Someone just needs to soften their heart and I'll pray for you. And I just kind of shrugged it off. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, that's really sweet. And I headed on my way. So I kept coming to church and by about August 1st week or so, I went to my husband's house, who was currently living with his mom. And I was there for my son. And I just got an overwhelming feeling that I really need to talk to him. I really need to apologize. And I really need to give him a second chance. In the Bible, you know, it does say marriage is forever. It's a covenant, not a contract you just break off. So I went on over to him and I said, I need to talk to you. And he looked at me kind of like, you know, what's going on? She's crying. I'm not sure how to take this. And I just looked at him. I said, listen, I'm apologizing for everything I did. We're both responsible for our relationship and we both made errors. We both made huge mistakes, but I found God and I've got to do this. And I really don't want to do this. <laughs> so I looked at him and I said, these are my conditions. I just have three conditions. The first one, you've got to put God first. If you don't put God first, 
there's no point to this at all. Let's not continue. The second one is you've got to tithe because that was a big life changer for me. I've got to tithe. It's 10% of our finances. If we do more, great, but at least 10%. When we get income, that's what goes. And the third one was that you have to come to church with me. And he was well aware I was making a really long drive. But he just looked at me and he said, okay. So then he started coming with me in August. So since August and August of last year until June of this year, we were driving from Lake Mills, which is about 20 minutes east of Madison, up here every Sunday. We'd come to church for the hour and a half and then drive back. We finally decided to move in June, thankfully, in order to be more involved with the church. And it has changed our lives. It means everything to us, to our family, to our son, who is growing up to finally know God and realizes, even at six, that it is the most important thing in his life. And it is truly amazing. We are living testaments to God's miracles. And I'm very grateful to be a part of that. Celebration Church in Appleton has infinitely renewed us, revived us, and restored our relationship and our relationship with our family. Very cool. This is what we do. This is what we're all about, is trying to reach out and uh, encourage people to really experience God in their lives. Now, this couple is quite amazing, driving to church three-hour deal every Sunday. I love Celebration Church. I wouldn't drive three hours to come here. But uh, we're glad they did, and finally they moved and uh, are close to that uh, campus down there. So it's just a wonderful thing. We're talking about, and have been talking about, choosing life. What does that mean for a Christian? We've been talking about what it means to make the intentional decision of life over death. Now, as Christians, we choose life by, first of all, choosing Jesus, by putting our faith and trust in him, and secondly, by choosing to obey God's instructions for our lives, the rules, if you will, for our lives. We're not talking about man-made, legalistic, dumb rules, but we're talking about just the very clear rules that God has for how we should live our lives. Now, a lot of people don't really like rules Today, everybody kind of just wants to live their life however they want to live it and do whatever they want to do. Uh, I've had people actually say to me, you know, man, you guys have such a great church and all this great energy. Why do you keep talking about that? Why do you just talk about the love of God like these TV preachers and just talk about God loves everybody and everybody just love, 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 you know, like a bunch of hippies or something. And I say, well, we believe in the love of God, but we want you to experience God's blessings. And you can't do it if you don't Follow the rules. It's what the Bible teaches. Because people say, well, what do you mean rules? What, what about unconditional love? Does, aren't we supposed to have unconditional love? Everybody talks to about unconditional love. And the problem with that is, despite what you've heard, unconditional love is not a biblical concept. In fact, no place in the Bible can you even find the phrase unconditional love. Kind of shocking considering how many times you hear it in Christian circles. Uh, you say, well, what are you saying, that God doesn't love us? Of course he loves us. But it's not 
unconditional. Let me explain. For example, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, God loves you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are, which is, I know what they're trying to say, but it's not really true. God doesn't love you just the way you are. He loves you despite the way you are. Mere semantics, hardly. The phrase God loves you just the way you are implies you don't have to change, which is great. He expects nothing from you. Yet change is absolutely central to the message of Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 13th chapter, unless you repent, which means to change, you will all perish. And even as believers, the one powerful thing about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is he continues to change us from glory to glory. Now, does God love us even though we're without him and loss? Of course he does. The Bible says in Romans, the fifth chapter, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for mankind to get all together first. It was when we were at our worst. He went ahead and sacrificed his most for us. You don't have to try and earn your way to God. In fact, you can't. There's nothing you can do. There's no good thing you can do. I don't care how many kitty cats you save from trees and little old ladies you up across the street or whatever it is that you do. You can't earn your way to heaven. It just, it's never, never going to happen. The only way for us to truly find salvation is through forgiveness and coming to God through Jesus Christ. That's why he died, so that he, we could find forgiveness of our sins, because we're hopeless without it. It's that reset button in our lives. Where you can't fix it. You can't change it. That's the good news. You can't, and you don't have to. He will forgive you if you will let him, if you'll put your trust in him. But now that we live in grace, this grace of God, it's not a license to just live carelessly thinking it doesn't matter what I do now because Jesus loves me. Even after we become Christians, you're still likely to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We stumble. We fall. But the love of God always picks us up. Uh, the love of God isn't dependent on us checking all the boxes and being just absolutely perfect in everything we do. If you stumble and you fall, he'll pick you up, get the mud all off you and clean you up but he will get the mud off you. He's not going to just let you walk around full of mud. All right? Um, God loves us in whatever state we're in at all times. But what we have to avoid is the idea that God's love affords us the luxury and nonchalance that there are no rules. You see, it's precisely because of his love for us that he gives us his conditions or his, his rules. Because without conditions, love is not possible. Listen to me. Escuchame, all right? If you don't have conditions, you cannot have love. The idea that, well, we love unconditionally is hogwash. It is nonsense. It is baloney. True love cannot exist without conditions. When a couple stands at the altar to pledge themselves to a life of love and commitment, we begin by listing the conditions. For better or for worse, sickness and in health, Richer or in poorer, forsaking all others till death. Those are the conditions. Why do we have those conditions? Because without conditions, there can be no love. And you'll notice today that people are more and more getting away from those conditions. They all want to write their own vows, you know. You know, gee, when I look at you, I feel like a kitty cat playing in the fields with flowers. And just... Seriously. That is not a vow. People don't even know what they're talking about. We're going to write our own vows and blather nonsense to each other. That's not a vow. People ask us, can we say our own vows at our, your church? No! 
We're going to give you the good old-fashioned list, Jack. <laughs> These are the conditions. You can say whatever you want in your own private time. Talk about kitties and everything else. I could care less. Without conditions, there is no love. It cannot exist. My wife and I love each other clearly, very much. But make no mistake, there are some very clear conditions. Not only do we have those conditions at our, on our wedding day, there's been conditions that have been added along the way. <laughs> For example, I'm not allowed to have girlfriends. <laughs> It's kind of inconvenient, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> I can't just come and go as I please. I can't just, well, leave the house and when you're coming home, you'll see me when you see me, woman. <laughs> yeah. She'll beat me to death, all right? That's not part of the rules. The major conditions of our relationship were spelled out on our wedding day. And we've had other conditions to help keep things in check as we go along the way. Simply stated, true love cannot exist where there are no rules. Now, many parents say they love their kids unconditionally. Look, and you don't have to beat up people when they say that. You said unconditionally. You know, just, just relax. You know. They don't know what they're saying. I know what they're trying to say. It's fine. What they're saying is they love their kid no matter what, even if he makes mistakes, even if he gets, you know, an F in science, even if they stay two hours past their curfew or whatever, you know. I mean, it's not like you're going to quit loving your kid uh, because they don't do everything exactly right. But no, make, make no mistake, if you're going to be a successful parent, you have to have rules. There have to be conditions in order for the relationship to thrive. There must be stipulations, standards. We don't refuse to love our children when they don't meet our standards, but the standards are important. We love our children despite the way that they act. Right? <laughs> Come here. <laughs> you know, you don't hate them, but there have to be. If you say you love your children, there's people who are this ludicrous and crazy in their heads. We love our children. We let them make their own decisions. We don't require anything of them. We never discipline them. We just love them. You're crazy. In fact, the Bible says if you do that, not only do you not love your children, you actually hate your children. Why? Because love cannot thrive without conditions. And you young people, when your parents tell you you can't do stuff, it's not because they don't love you. You don't love me. You won't let me do what I want to do. You don't love me. Every time your kid says that you don't love them, just laugh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> if you have no conditions, the whole thing goes crazy. Your children would destroy themselves if they could do anything they want, whatever they want. Now, depending on the relationship, the conditions vary. You know, one of the great things about being a grandparent is there's not a lot of conditions. <laughs> That's the parent's problem, you know. That's why grandchildren love their grandparents. We share a common enemy, <laughs> you know. And, and, and we let them get away with it. You want more candy? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Bye! You know. 
The parents, you can't do that. They've got to be more strict. Now, if I was raising my grandkids, sometimes happens, you'd be a lot more strict. I guess the fun about being a grandparent. My, my grandkids are starting to figure out the who to ask for money. It's not grandma. <laughs> it's the old man. All right? And now I've got to be careful because that's not good form. You know, you're just giving everybody everything they want is not good for them. God loves us. There's no question about it. And if you want to give it fancy phrases and words, then knock yourself out. You can say God's love is unequivocal, unmitigated, unquestionable, unending, unfathomable, unending, unending. Just don't use the word unconditional because without conditions, love cannot exist. The Bible's very clear. From beginning to end, it's all about the conditions. You remove the conditions, you just throw out the Bible. That's why it's all there. Now, the Old Testament rules were very onerous. Okay. And there was a reason for that, which we won't get into right now. But we don't live by that anymore. We live by the New Testament rules. There are still rules. It's not complicated rules. Be kind. Be considerate. Don't steal don't be mean, respect each other, don't be sexually immoral. There's a hand, there's not that many of them. It's not that complicated. Just basic morality, which even today people don't like. Don't tell anybody they can't do something. They go crazy. And then they tell you, well, you don't know, we believe in unconditional love. Really? There has to be conditions for life to exist. Remove the conditions to sustain life on earth. You destroy life. Remove the rules required on the highways and you would have death and destruction. But if everybody could just go and drive on any side they want as fast as they want, holy cow. <laughs> Remove the conditions of citizenship and no one would pay their taxes. I wonder if paying taxes was voluntary. Would you pay your taxes? Nope. <laughs> Remove the conditions of employment. Who'd go to work? If you knew, absolutely guaranteed, you would still receive the same check no matter if you went to work or not, would you still go to work? Some of you would. You're nice people. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> Raise a kid with no rules, you'll raise a hellion. Give a teenager freedom from rules, and that teen will destroy himself. And as I stated, if you have a marriage where there are no conditions and people can do whatever they please, come and go as they please, have boyfriends or girlfriends on the side, commit adultery, whatever, we have an open marriage. These people are insane. Love cannot survive without conditions. To say that God has no conditions is to propose a version of faith that empowers narcissism and selfishness. And that's exactly what it is today. There's a lot of Christianity that passes itself off as Christianity today, in America in particular, that is just narcissism. It's all about you. God loves you, and God wants you to be happy. What can God do for you? And are you okay? And you are so wonderful. And then people begin to say, it's all about them. And they think the moon actually follows them when they drive at night. You'd have a religion that 
People only serve God when it pleases them, only come to church when it pleases them, when it's convenient for them, never really commit to anything, never give any money, certainly not any serious amounts of money, never volunteer their times or effort. Why? Why? God loves me unconditionally. It's all good. I have to understand, the reason we teach what we're teaching is not to make anybody's life hard. It's not about making people's life. We want people to succeed. We want you to choose life. What you do personally doesn't really affect me. When we talk about giving and stuff so you can be blessed financially, it's not like we're trying to get anything out of you. It's not like I'm on commission here. <laughs> Actually, I don't get anything here. <laughs> it's my choice. It's all right. We do this to help you. To encourage you so that your life can succeed. You want to be happy. You want to be blessed. There has to be conditions. Even on the video clip that we just saw. Smart lady. Right? She's what I call a butt-kicking woman. Hallelujah. She goes back to her husband and says, okay, we can make this work. Here are the conditions. One, two, three. They're not impossible. They're not hard. They're pretty simple. One, two, three. And they thrive. Try to have a relationship where there's no conditions, it will not survive. Of course, people say, now wait a minute, doesn't grace remove the conditions? Of course not. Look, the rules are there for a purpose, but God doesn't hate you if you fail. For example, should you kill people? No. We'll, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Beat that child. Where is it? No, it's all right. No, no. You shouldn't kill people. But will God forgive you if you kill people? Well, yeah. Well, then, can you kill people? No. See, the, the, grace does not remove the rule. Grace, while forgiving the transgression, never removes the rule. To say that because we have grace, there's no rules is insanity. Let's look at what the Bible has to say. I mean, from the beginning, guys, God creates the earth, puts Adam and Eve on there. They got access to anything. What's the first thing he does? Makes a rule. The one tree. You can eat of any of the trees, just don't eat that one. Of course, what do they do? They want to go to that tree and... This will mess with some of your heads because some of you still can't get past the no unconditional love thing. But the first one to really come up with the idea of unconditional love was the serpent. He's the one that come to Eve and said, go ahead. She said, no, I can't. She reminded the serpent of the rule. Oh, no, God won't do that. He won't do it. You're not going to die. It'll be okay. He must love you unconditionally. Now, he didn't say those words, but that's in essence what he's pitching to her. The people running around talking about unconditional love, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're literally talking more like a serpent. So she's, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. And look what happened. I read to you a couple of weeks ago about Moses stood before the children of Israel said, look, I'm setting before you life and death. 
If you'll do the right things, you will be blessed. You'll have a great life. If you do the wrong things, you will not have a good life. Choose life. Now, his rules, again, Old Testament rules, and there was a reason why they were so complicated. We don't live by those anymore. I get it. But if they would do right, they would live. You need to choose life. That's the point. You got to make a choice. It's not exactly unconditional. Anybody comes up with the idea of unconditional love doesn't understand what the Bible says. It's absurd. Well, brother, that was the Old Testament. The New Testament, we live on by the grace of Jesus. And the New, that's where God reveals unconditional love. Really? Let's look at the New Testament. Let me read you some scriptures, some promises that Jesus gave. Here's a pretty famous one. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. What's the promise? The promise is it will be opened, you will find, and the door will be opened. You'll be given. What's the conditions? You got to ask, seek, and knock. If you don't ask God for stuff, you ain't getting jack squat. If you don't seek for truth, you'll never find it. If you don't come to the doors and knock and have a little persistence, it'll never open for you. It's the condition. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. What's the promise? He's going to acknowledge you before the Father someday. What's the condition? You better acknowledge him here. Which it will mess with some of you guys, because I know some of you guys, you're, you know, some of you are very bold Christians, and that's great. Don't be obnoxious about it, but you know, it's good to be bold. But some of you are the, the secret Christians, you know. Nobody really knows. That's a bad place for you. If you're the kind of person that nobody at work knows you're a devout Christian, none of your friends know you're a devout Christian, none of your family, extended family knows you're a devout Christian, you're in a bad place. Well, Jesus said he'd admit that he knows me. No, no, no. There's a condition. If you acknowledge me before others. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Well, he's talking about a lot of people. Without God in your life, it is weary. It is burdensome. Now, you guys who are young think, ah, oh, no, it's not. You know, I got the world by the tail. That's just because you're young and you haven't had the life sucked out of you yet. Hang on, a few years is coming. <laughs> and it gets extremely tiresome. And that's why we come to God. Living without God in your life just is awful. It's, oh. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. That's the promise. The condition is, you have to take my yoke on you. You know what a yoke is, right? You've seen oxen with yoke. And you mean to tell me that Christianity has a bit of a yoke to it? Yeah. Well, that's not what we heard. Well, you ain't heard right. The good news, he says, my yoke is easy. It's easy. This yoke of love that we walk, the rule of love and being kind to others and behaving ourselves, it's not burdensome. It's an easy yoke. But the idea that there are no yokes, there's no conditions, is absurd. Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What's the promise? You receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What's the condition? You got to believe. Jesus said, the one who stands to the firm to the end will be saved. What's the promise? You'll be saved. What's the condition? You got to hang on to the end. People want finances, you know. Oh, God, bless me financially. God, bless me financially. What Jesus says, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Yes, yes, that's what we all want. That's the promise. What's the condition? You got to give first. Oh, I, I don't want to do that. We want to give afterwards. That's why so many of you pray, Lord, help me win the lottery because then I'll give money to the church. Yeah, when you pray that, God goes, that doesn't work that way. 
You're just spitting air into the wind. God ain't going to give you the lottery so you can give. He's not going to give you a better job so you can give. He's not going to turn around in your life so you can help other people. You need to give first, even if it's a little tiny bit. Wherever you're at, you got to give first and then. That's the condition. John 15, this is fun. Everybody likes it. You are my friends. You are my friends. Jesus calls me his friends. We have that song. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He got, my, my nephew wrote that song. Great song, but it's inaccurate. Doesn't matter. Just a stupid song. You are my friends is not the whole story. He said, you are my friends if. Where's the verse? It's not up there. I got something about washing feet up there. What is that about? John 15, 14. You have 13, 14. You're two chapters off. That would be highly inaccurate. Is it too late to change it? There you go. You are my friends if. But see, what we've done is we've taken out the ifs. We love to sing about the promises. God's going to answer your prayer. He's my friend. Jesus loves everybody. Everything's great because we take out all the ifs. We take out all the conditions. And then people, they're happy about it and we have the short-term joy from it, but then life sinks in and we're having a hard time. Why? Because we've removed the conditions. You can't just rewrite Jesus' words. I mean, he's not my friend. Sure, he's your friend if you do what he says. Well, I don't like that. Look, this is repeated over and over again. I promise you, this actually, I'm reading to you actually from a manuscript that we had just finished writing, a, a new book on this whole issue. I'm just giving you bits and pieces of it. The book will probably come out in a couple of months, but... Uh, as we went through, there must be somewhere, I'm not saying that we didn't see them all, but every time that we found in the Bible there was a promise, there was always a condition tied to it. In fact, we couldn't find one. Now, I'm not saying there isn't. You might call me up and say, hey, I found one. Okay, great. There might be a few exceptions, but I promise you, the standard is almost every time you will find a promise in the Bible, there is a condition tied to it. But it's not onerous. It's not heavy. It's not nasty. It's not like God doesn't love you. He loves you. But there's conditions. The thing that because there's, see, people think because there's conditions means that there's no love. You're wrong. And the idea that you can have love without conditions is wrong. If you're going to succeed in life, in relationships, whether they're marital, parental, friends, employees, church members, in laws, God, whatever, you got to follow the rules. Why all this concern about unconditional? Because then we end up thinking that any real form of love comes without conditions. And other people really love this. They aren't allowed to place conditions on the relationship. We hear this. I hear this all the time. Couples fighting about it. You can't look at my Facebook. It's none of your business. Huh? You know, I, I can do whatever I want to do. If you really love me and trusted me, I can do whatever I want. Really? You're delusional. And don't let your husband or wife give you that nonsense. And they both do it. They take turns. Can't tell me what to do. I'm telling you, this idea of unconditional love is destructive. Again, call true love unequivocal, unmitigated, unquestionable, unending, unfathomable, unanything. Just don't use the word unconditional. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us and that we can have new life if.
we'll put our trust in you. If we'll turn from our sins and turn to God, you'll forgive us of all of our sins and give us new life. You'll bless us if we'll do the right things and just honor you and do what you ask us to do. We're not talking about man-made rules, Lord. We're not talking about legalism and all these stupid conditions that a lot of churches come up with that they just pull out of the air. We're talking about just following your rules. Help us to realize by doing this, we choose life. We want our lives filled with the life of God. Help us to understand what these rules are for ourselves and to teach them to our children and to share them with others so that we can all be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a great day.